mess my own life up or whatever. We're all guilty. We're in the same boat. And uh, so we're going to talk about guilt for a little while today. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Y'all picked the right day. Actually, you did. So what we're going to do today is a little bit about what Pastor Kathy was talking about, Romans 12.2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you by changing the way you think. And, and how many of you know we need to be transformed from where we were to where we're going to where God wants us to go? And that requires us to think differently, to, to, to renew our minds. Larry Christensen years ago wrote a book called Renewing Your Mind. It's, a, it's not in print anymore, I don't think, but it's a great book, and we may do some teaching as we go through this year along those lines. And so we want to we kind of want to change the way we think today about sin, about guilt, and really about shame. And, and so what is guilt? That's what we, we need to, I guess, define. There's a difference between real guilt and false guilt or shame. And so how, how do we deal with guilt? We're going to deal with that, and, and how does God deal with it? And so let's answer this question. What is guilt? Now, we all know what it feels like, right? Usually, it feels bad, you know, to answer that question, what is guilt? Psalm 38, 4 says, my guilt overwhelms me. My guilt overwhelms me. I mean, it's a burden too heavy to bear. David knew what guilt felt like. David knew what guilt felt like. And, uh, and, and so, and, and we've all been overwhelmed, and we've all had this feeling of, of deep, let's, you know, I'm just guilty. I mean, some of y'all... Uh, in here or listening, you kind of like, you know, the Bible talks about the devil is like a roaring lion goes around to see who can devour. Some of y'all are like a roaring lion going around to see what I can feel guilty over. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we don't want to be that way. And, uh, and so David said, my guilt overwhelms me and it'll burden us down. It, you know, it's that feeling of I hope nobody finds out what I really am. Or I hope nobody finds out that my past. Or hope nobody ever finds that out. Well, listen, the purpose of guilt is not just to make you feel bad. That's not what guilt is about. Guilt is a warning light. Write that down. Guilt is a warning light. You know, a few years ago, a friend of mine, his daughter had just started driving. He got her a car, and it's been a number of years now, actually, and, and, uh, and, and, and he got a call from her one day. She was out by UNO, and the car had quit running. And, uh, and so... Uh, he asked her some questions. She, he said, what happened? And she said, well, it started smoking and it quit running. And, and uh, he said, did you notice anything different? She said, well, this little red light's been on for a few days. She, you know, she had run it out of oil. And, uh, you know, and, and so those warning lights tell you that something is wrong, correct? And, uh, and so, you know, you should do something when they come on, right? And, uh, and so she didn't check it and, of course, her car died and and that's really what guilt does for us. It's a warning light that something is wrong. It's a warning light that something is wrong. Unfortunately, we do the same thing this young girl did too often as we ignore that warning light. And, uh, and we just pretend it's not there. And that'll work for a little bit, but not for long. And then everything will come cr crashing down. Your warning light might be telling you you need to get back to your relationship with God, that you... You need to get back into reading the Word or spending time with God in prayer. You need to stop going somewhere. You need to start going somewhere else or whatever. But it's a warning light that's going off in your head. And, uh, and so we need to pay attention to those. But before we go too far into this, let me talk about, you heard uh, uh, them talk about, Pastor Kathy talk about it a little bit. There's two kinds of guilt. And, um, and so look at your, at your paper, 2 Corinthians 7.10. 
Uh, Paul says this, For the kind of sorrow or guilt that God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. And so there's no regret for that kind of guilt. In other words, the kind of sorrow, like you, you, you feel bad about what you did, and it causes you to change what you do. You know, getting rid of guilt always involves change and, and repenting from what we were doing and, or changing from what we're doing. He said there's no regret. In other words, you're not going to keep feeling bad about that because you recognized it, you, you took care of it with God, and you moved on, you walked away from it. He said, but worldly sorrow with lacks repentance results in what? Spiritual death. That's what worldly sorrow. And there's a couple, actually there's, you know, a couple different kinds. Write these down. There's the genuine guilt. That's the, the kind of sorrow God wants us to have. That's when you did something wrong and you feel bad because you did something wrong. Not because you got caught. That's over on that worldly guilt side. See, too often what happens is we get real sorry because we got caught. And oh man, you know, it's all about us. But, but genuine guilt is you know you did wrong and you want to change it and, and that's genuine guilt. False guilt is, is what we call actually it's shame. And, uh, and there's a couple different kinds. There's that, that worldly guilt I talked to you about where you just get caught and, uh, you know, and you're not really sorry for what you did. You're sorry about what you, what, that you got caught. You're maybe sorry about the consequences that are fixing to happen. You're sorry that you're fixing to lose your job because you got caught. You're sorry because your wife is fixing to leave you because you got caught. You're sorry because you might be fixing to go to jail because Kelly caught you. I don't know, but, but you know, I mean, uh, you know, it, it could be all kinds of things, but, you know, you're just sorry you got caught. I mean, and you're not really wanting to change. You just don't want the consequence. The other kind of worldly guilt that we're talking about is, is the kind of guilt that attacks you who you are and says, you're a bad person because you did this. How many of y'all feel that sometimes? I'm just a bad person. I must be a bad person. Those of you didn't raise your hands, y'all just all lying. I mean, you know, I'll see you at the altar up here in the front in a little while because, I mean, y'all need, need to repent. But it's, we, the devil, that's how he attacks us. He'll say, hey, not, Robert, what you did was wrong. Robert, you're scum. You're, just, you're a bad dad. You're a bad husband. You're a bad whatever. That's the way the devil attacks us. And, and that's this shame. It's, and um, it's, a bit, it's a big problem with a lot of people. They just, you know, a lot of times that kind of guilt, just you have this overwhelming sense of guilt, a general guilt. You, you can't really identify what it is. You just feel bad. You just feel bad. And, uh, and sometimes it's not, our, not your fault. Maybe you were in an abusive situation. Maybe you were raised by parents that were master manipulators and they used guilt to move you along and get you to do that. And, and uh, maybe you struggle with getting past your past. Maybe you feel like you've done so many things bad that you can't be forgiven. There's no way. I've, I've done, I, what, you don't, you know, whatever it is you've done, you just can't get past it. And, uh, and, and let me just tell you something. You, you know in your head God's going to forgive you, but you just can't, you don't feel it. Let me just say this. Listen to me. Write it down somewhere. Feelings lie. <laughs> Feelings lie. People say, I'm just going to follow my heart. Well, your heart lies to you every single day. And we've all dealt with false guilt one time or another. And uh, in us, it's kind of popular in church. A lot of people use guilt to motivate people to give their time, give their money or whatever, you know, and stuff like that. And Paul deals with that. Paul deals with people that struggle with this false guilt and want to do something to earn God's favor. Remember we talked about that. 
you got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where you're trying to earn God's, God's favor. You're trying to make God like you. And over here, the tree of life is where you recognize Jesus loves you as much as anybody can love you because he died for you. And, it, and he gave you life. And so we, we kind of get over here in this tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we're trying to get it on human effort. Look what Paul said in Galatians 3.3. 3. He said, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? That's what we do when we're motivated by the shame. We're trying, we're trying to just change enough to get God to like us. And, and here's the problem. You can't change enough. You can't do enough. You can't, you're on that hamster wheel. You're not making any progress, you know. And, uh, you know, I walked a mile last night watching a TV show on the, on the uh, treadmill. You know what? I was in the same place when I finished as I was when I started. That's, that's when you're trying to earn it. That's when you're trying to earn it. And, and you just don't go anywhere. You can never be good enough using human effort. So how can you tell the difference? Write this down between genuine guilt and shame. There's three tests I want to give you. One, is the test on people or is it on God? You know, false guilt is that which comes as a result of the judgments and suggestions of men. True guilt is that which comes as a result of divine judgment, what God thinks about the situation. That's according to psychologist Dr. Paul Turnier. So true guilt comes from as a result of divine judgment, what God thinks about the situation, not about what other people are suggesting. So if you're struggling with false guilt, you'll find yourself striving for approval. You're always, you become a slave to needing somebody to affirm you, to approve of what you're doing, and you'll need it every day. And it'll wear you out because you're always trying to perform to make somebody happy. Does that make sense? This means yes. Okay, all right. That, and, and so... Is it the, is the focus on people or God? If it's on people, it's false guilt. If it's on God, it's guilt. It's genuine guilt. Is it vague or is it specific? Is it, you know, a lot of people false, struggling with false guilt, they just feel bad. They can't really put a finger on it. And, uh, and, and so, you know, it, but they feel bad. I just feel so guilty. What, I, I don't know what it is. Well, write this down. It's not in your notes, but when, the, when it's a general feeling of guilt, it's Satan talking, not God. When it's a general feeling, just that overwhelming feeling of I'm just a guilty person. I don't know what I'm guilty of, but I know I'm guilty of something. It's kind of like, you know, when I was younger, when you have, grand, when you have children, your parents will forget they ever whipped you. When, when, you know, but before you have them, you know, you come in the door, I know you must have done something. Whoosh, you know, and, and, and so we grew up feeling that way, right? You know, and, and so uh, is it vague or is it specific? So if it's general, it's... It's the devil talking. When God tells us something's wrong, it's like a laser focusing in on what it was you did. Robert, you shouldn't have called that person a moron when they cut you off in traffic. You know, and, and it's not saying you're a bad guy. It says, just don't do that again. And, uh, you know, or, or whatever it is. It's, it's a, and, and you might hear it in a podcast or a sermon or you might be when you're reading your word and you're praying and God just reveals something to you. Uh, you know, but it'll be, it'll be specific. The third test, is it based on rules or is it based on relationships? See, false guilt focuses on rules. It's, it usually goes back to a feeling of I broke some kind of rule. You know, I know I broke one of the 10 or one of the 535 or, or I broke something. 
you know, broke some kind of rule. And, and so you're struggling, when you're struggling with real guilt or genuine guilt, the kind God says is good for us, you realize you hurt God. Look what, look what David said when, uh, when he was praying. His, Psalm 51 is a great prayer of repentance. David said, against you and you alone have I sinned. He's talking to God. He, you know, he had, he had committed adultery, but he said, God, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you and you alone. I've done what's evil in your sight. So David owned up to it. He admitted it. He agreed with God. He said, you'll be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. I mean, see, David was concerned about his relationship with God. He had broken that relationship. And listen, God will always use guilt to move us back to him. The devil uses shame to move you away from God. See the difference? And, and that's just the way it works. So let's, I mean, you know, how, let's look at how we usually handle guilt. We try and handle guilt, and we usually don't do too good of a job of it. <laughs> you know, we've got, you know, we, we try and handle it on our own, don't we? we? We try and figure it out, especially guys. We try and figure it out, you know. And, and so, you know, how, what do you do when that light goes off? Well, you've got to get the car fixed, right? And uh, too often, we just try and ignore it and, and, uh, and so, so the way we try and do that, always, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We learned it for a long time. So let me just read a passage. This isn't in your, I don't think it's in your outline, but it says, The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it was given. Now remember a few weeks ago we talked about Eve didn't, Satan didn't tempt Eve because she wanted to be bad. He tempted her because she wanted to be more like God. He just got her to go about it the wrong way. And, and so she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was there with her, and he ate it too. Now, some of you guys that think your wife, you know, well, the woman got tricked. Well, the husband was just standing right there with her, you know, and she said, here, eat this. He said, okay, baby, you know, and, and ate it, you know. I mean, so, you know, he's got no excuse. Uh, so she took some fruit and ate it. She gave it to her husband who was there with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and suddenly they felt what? Shame. They felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So let's look at it. In that passage, write this down. We handle guilt. We handle it with shame. We handle it with shame. That's what happened. They felt shame when they sinned. They felt shame. I mean, you know, we feel bad about it. And, and, and usually when shame takes place, you think if you can just feel bad enough, long enough, it'll be okay. You kind of play a penance with shame. Kind of play, you know. And uh, it's like if I can just hurt enough, it'll help. And, uh, you know, and all that. We also handle it by hiding. What, what did Adam and Eve do? They, they hid. Look, uh, you know, how many of you have ever tried to hide from God? Anybody? Or hide from somebody? I remember when I... Me and some friends. I, I never did a whole lot of bad stuff when I was a kid because I always got caught. And uh, so we were ringing doorbells one time. And uh, anybody done that before? I mean, you know, we were ringing doorbells, and this dude had had his doorbell rung before. He had spotlights out in the woods. I was hiding out in the woods. I thought I was in pretty good shape. Spotlights are shining like a prison, you know, lights everywhere. And, and, and he comes out with a Remington 12-gauge shotgun. And, uh, and so it was like, how fast can you run? So I'm running through those woods, and I hear the pellets coming through the leaves. You know? 
So hiding doesn't always work out very well. When we hide from God, it doesn't work out well either. Look what happened with Adam and Eve. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord, God among the trees. They're hiding from God. That don't work real good, ask Jonah. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Do y'all, does anybody in here not really know that God knew where they were? He's given them a chance to own up. And, uh, you know, he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Then God said, who told you you were naked, the Lord asked. Have you eaten the tree of the fruit that I commanded you not to eat? So he's caught, okay? Now here's the way we handle it as humans. The man replied, it was the woman. <laughs> it was the woman. I'll tell you a story real quick because Pastor Kathy will tell it. We were going through the airport, and we switched bags some kind of way. She would put her ID in the bag because she thought that we were done with the ID part. And so they wrote on our ticket, no ID. They wrote it on mine. And so then, then uh, we get to the security checkpoint, and I'm getting, you know, very intimate with somebody as they're patting me down. And then they put me in this glass thing, and, they're, and then they, they're sniffing the inside of my shoes. They go through my wallet. She's laughing so hard she's crying. And, uh, and this little kid's going, look, Mommy, a terrorist, a terrorist. And, uh, and so they're just having a real good time at my expense. And I'm all the time going, it was her. It was her bag. <laughs> so, so that's what we do. We blame somebody else, right? You can write that down in the next blank. The woman, it was the woman. And then he said that you gave me God. So he even put a little bit of blame on God. I mean, I don't know if I'd have done that or not. And I ate it. And then the Lord looked at the woman and said, what have you done? And the, she said, the serpent, it was the snake. <laughs> that snake did it. And uh, so everybody's blaming somebody. And then he, he looked at the snake, serpent and said, because you've done this, you're cursed among all animals, domestic and wild. You'll crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. Now, I don't know about you, but the only good snake is a dead snake. And uh, I don't look at it long enough to know if it's a one that eats mice or whatever, but, you know, it usually was going to have a shovel on top of it or a bullet in it or something before I realized what kind of snake it is. And, uh, and, and so, you know, but, you know, so they blamed each other. I mean, Adam blamed the woman. The woman blamed the snake. Snake had not a leg to live up, stand on. So, I mean, you know. But we all do this. Our first response is to blame others. I blame Sister Kat, Pastor Kathy for my luggage issue. Uh, you know, people say, well, if my boss wasn't so mean, I wouldn't have to drink a six-pack after work every day. You know what I mean? And, and if, well, if he hadn't cheated, I wouldn't have had a boyfriend. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, uh, one guy actually told me in the jail, if it wasn't for alcohol, I wouldn't have killed my wife. A deputy walking by said, yeah, if it wasn't for those banks, you wouldn't rob them either. I mean, you know, we always want to blame somebody else for something we did. And, uh, and, and it just doesn't work. It's, uh, you know, it's like the guy who heard the noise from under his car he pulled over. Everything looked all right. He called a mechanic, told him what was going on. The mechanic said, man, get it towed. He said, man, it looks all right. I'm going to drive it. About a mile down the road, the wheel came off and uh, passed him, you know, and, and uh, caused a wreck. And so, you know, I mean, what do you do when the wheels come off? Well, you know, we need to turn to God's way of dealing with it. We need to stop doing it our way, stop hiding, stop doing all that stuff. So how does God handle guilt? Look at that in your outline. God's way of dealing with guilt is the word grace. Write that down. God's way of dealing with guilt is grace. He did that through Jesus Christ. 
Jesus came and paid the price for us. When I first became a Christian many years ago, one of my favorite verses, uh, and, and I wish I could find my notes. This guy took us through a study of 1 John, but one of my favorite verses was 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins to him, underline that, confess our sins, he is faithful and just, you can underline that, to what? Forgive our sins and to cleanse us from wickedness. So we confess our sins, circle that. He's faithful and just to forgive. Sir, just underline, circle, whatever. So that's how we need to deal with guilt and shame and, and, and when we do wrong. So write these down. Number one, we've got to confess our sins to God. We've got to confess our sins to God. We've got to come clean with God and just say, hey, you know what, God, I did it. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I, I was a jerk, whatever. And so if you look at the word sin, S-I-N, what's the central letter in that word? I. I is what gets us in trouble. I want this. I want that. I want, I want my way, not your way. I want, it's all about me, 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 me. Sin is, is that. that is, it's basically leaving God out of your life. It's all about me. It's leaving God out of your life. So tell God that you left him out because of you messed up your life. You left him out. I mean, that's what we do is we just live life like there's no God, like there's no accountability, no, no nothing. We, we just live our life that way. Tell him you left him out. And we need to try and... Act like it's not there, you know, uh, when, when, when we have a problem. We can try and cover it up or we can face up to it when we've made committed sin. And, and we can either act like it's not there or we can take responsibility and take care of it. So when you face up to it, the first thing you're doing is you're telling God that he's right and I'm wrong. And, and that's called confession. We confess our sins to God. Matter of fact, David said this. And here's the thing about confession. Just like God knew where Adam and Eve were in the garden, he knows what you've done. He knows. You know? And, uh, and, and it says right here, Oh God, you know how foolish I am, is what David said. My sins cannot be hidden from you. He knows what we've done, so come clean. He's just waiting for us to do it. It's like there were so many times I got in trouble with my dad, he knew what I'd already done. I don't know, he had radar or something, I don't know. And uh, he's just waiting for me to come clean with him. And, uh, and, and so we confess our sins. Now, write this down. Confessing to God is more than acknowledging we did something wrong. It, uh, confessing to God is not saying, okay, God, I know that was wrong. Confessing to God is saying, Lord, I know that what I did was wrong. I was wrong to do it. I know you hate it. Forgive me for it. And I'm going to turn away from that. I'm going to turn away. It's more than acknowledging. Literally, uh, that confessing your sin means to say the same thing about sin that God says we're say, in other words I'm saying the same thing about something God hates that he's saying I'm, I'm saying Lord I hate this in me when, when uh, you know when Pastor Catherine's talking about strongholds we, I hate this stronghold God I hate this in myself deliver me from it you're, you're, you're agreeing with him how do we do that we do that through prayer you talk to God maybe you might, might make a list of the things you struggle with and you pray 1 John 1 9 over that list and then stick it in the shredder or light it. A couple of y'all, it might be a long list, and maybe the fire marshal might not like that, so shred it, you know. But, uh, you know, you want to pray over that and get rid of it. You do that in a prayer. You just pray First John 1, 9. It says he is faithful and just to forgive. Somebody ought to say amen to that. 
God also encourages us to tell a trusted friend. We've all got to have somebody we can talk to. See, we confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to somebody for healing and health. Look what James 5.16 says. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. So you may be healed. You got somebody you can talk to. Guess what? It, it brings healing in your life. I mean, you might have told God a hundred times, but you've never told anyone else. And, and because of that, you keep struggling with that same guilt. It keeps coming up about that sin. There's something about telling somebody you can trust. Uh, there's just something about it. You need to develop the right person. I'm not saying just anybody. The right person. And, uh, and, and when you tell somebody, you may think that you're the only one, but here's what you find out. A lot of times they go, you know, I struggle with that too. Or I, I was struggling with that last year. Let me tell you what God did. And you find out you're not the only one. I mean, here's the thing. Shame will make you feel like you're the only one that's struggling with what you're struggling with. You're a bad person. You're the only, I mean, this is you. This is who you are. That's what shame makes you feel. And, and God's saying, man, you're not the only one. Matter of fact, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it's not in your notes because I put it in there late last night. It says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Write down that reference, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. What you're being tempted with is no different than what Jesus got tempted with, what Peter got tempted with, what I'm tempted with, what Pastor Kathy's tempted with. We're all tempted in the same ways. But God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so that you can endure. We just missed the way out. and We'll talk about that maybe in another message. We've got to look for that. But we're all tempted the same. There's something about knowing, hey, look, I'm not unique here. Because what happens is I run into so many people. What's happened to me is just worse than anybody else in the world. I'm the only person that's done this or had this happen to me. And the devil will, will hold you in that shame. And then you talk to somebody and say, you know what? I went through that. You find Really? You find out that, you know, what you're experiencing is life. And the devil gets after you. You just need to let the Lord bring you out of that. You need to confess it and tell a trusted friend. Number two, we've got to trust God's character. Look at, look at 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. So we've got to trust God's character. He's faithful and just to forgive. And we just gotta, we've got to use that part of the verse. We like to, you know, we kind of skip over that on, on what the meaning is. But it just means he's going to do what he said he'd do. You can depend on God's character. And, and here's, how do, you know, how do you learn to trust God's character more? Remember a few weeks ago I said one of the things you got to do is you got to fall in love with Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you trust his character. You don't, the closer, the more in love you get with Jesus. That's why it's important to be in the Word. That's why it's important to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The book of Acts, my goodness. I mean, you just start... I mean, you get fired up. It's kind of like that Turkish coffee I drank yesterday. We, Pastor Kathy, I mean, it's like a little bitty cup, and I mean, it's like drinking gravy or something. But I mean, it was, I was ready to preach. We just got to, we get to know him. And, and listen, Hebrews says this, let us come near to God. Let us come near to God with a sincere heart, a sure faith. 
Look what he says, because we've been made free from a guilty conscience. You see, we don't have to be like Adam and Eve were in the garden where we're afraid because God's coming. He paid the price for that. We don't have to worry about approaching him. He's paid the price for that. We've been made free from a guilty conscience, and our bodies have been washed with pure water because of what he did. Jesus makes us free from a guilty conscience. He doesn't give us one. He frees us from guilt. He doesn't make us guilty. That's what the cross is all about. That's what giving him your life is all about. It's what a relationship with Jesus is all about. When you get close to him, you experience grace. You experience grace. You swing back over into that tree of life. Uh, write this down. You don't become the person God wants you to be through guilt. You become the person God wants you to be through grace. See, guilt will only take you so far. You, you, you'll, you'll feel guilty enough to, to be good for a little bit. And you won't become the person that God wants you to through guilt. You become the person God wants you to be through grace, through living in the tree of life. We've got we've to live in that tree, not in the knowledge of good and evil over here in legalism and, and rule keeping. It's like if you go skating. How many of y'all ever been skating? Anybody been ice skating? Anybody ever fallen ice skating? I mean, I'm, I'm all over the place. But you know what I mean? You know, you go ice skating and say, I'm not going to fall. And you're holding on to the wall around the edge, right? And, and, and you won't fall, but you won't have any fun skating. That's kind of the way living the Christian life is. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're holding on to the rules over here, you're not going to have fun. That wall represents a rule. you got to let go and get out in the middle. Are you going to fall down ice skating-wise? You bet. I've had so many bruises on my tailbone from ice skating or roller skating or any kind of skating. I, I got... I got uh, one of my kids, I got a, uh, years ago when they were a little bitty, a skateboard. And I, so I was going to try it out and broke a chandelier in my house. I mean, you know, uh, you know, it was like, it's bad because anything that rolls, I'm going to fall off of. But you got to get out and roll. You got to get out in the middle of the floor. You got to turn loose of those rules and skate right out into God's grace and understand. Uh, you know, enjoy living for the Lord. Swing back to that tree of life. You know, you might think you're falling. Guess what? You will fall. You will fail, but you get back up and you do it better next time. You get back up, God says, listen, I forgive you. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. The third thing you got to do is you got to accept God's forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. The problem is we let it stop here and not get to here. You've got to accept it. He said, I'm going to forgive you. He said, I'm going to forgive you. But, and, you know, and, and let me tell you, he can be trusted to forgive you. And he says he'll cleanse you. Listen, look, when God, God loves you where you are, here's what cleansing you mean. God loves you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. So when, when it says he cleanses you, it means he's going to change you from where you are to where he wants you to be. Let me tell you, y'all should all be glad that God has changed me. I'm glad he's changed some of y'all. And, and, and so he changes us. He cleanses us from unrighteousness, from wickedness. He can be trusted to do that. See, grace cleanses. You don't have to clean up and come to God. You come to God, he'll do the cleaning. That's the way it works. John 3.18 says this. I love this. 
There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him. See, we put the judgment on ourselves, don't we? But God says, hey, look, if you believe in me, there's no judgment. There's no judgment. When you believe in me, Jesus says, there's no judgment. You're not guilty. But anyone who doesn't believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And so when we believe in Jesus, we're guilty. We're not guilty. God's telling somebody that needs to hear this today, whether it's in here on, on online. And, and, and look at this. When you trust in me, as Jesus is saying, you are not guilty. Everybody say that with me. Not guilty. When you trust in Jesus, you're not guilty. I don't care what the devil's telling you. You're not guilty. You're not guilty. I've told y'all, and I use this illustration, it's the best one I know. It's like if you go out to eat and somebody pays for your lunch and leaves and you want to pay for it, it's kind of dumb, isn't it? That's getting back over here in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's trying to do it yourself. And No, I'm going to pay for it. It's already been paid for. That's what Jesus has done for your sin. He paid your lunch ticket. He paid your lunch ticket. I know a lot of, a lot of people struggle with this. You're struggling with shame. You've been, you're thinking right now, some of y'all are thinking, Pastor Roberts, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how much I've hurt my family. You don't know how much I've hurt my kids. You don't know the crime I've committed. You don't, I mean, how could God possibly forgive me? You don't know what I did in a war or whatever. How can God forgive me? You don't know how I treated my wife. You don't know that I cheated at work. or You don't know. I mean, listen, God forgives. And when you pick up the Word of God and you read the Bible, I know there's a couple books that has a lot of laws in it, right? But there's also some stuff in here where you see God will not only forgive you, he'll use you. Look at Abraham. Everybody knows who Abraham is, right? Abraham started out worshiping idols. He struggled with lying, and uh, yet we call him the father of our faith. Big transformation, right? What about Moses? Moses was a murderer. Moses killed somebody, but ended up being the guy God used to free his people the nation of Israel from the Egyptians. John Mark, he was a coward. Paul even, man, Paul chastised him in one of his letters, talking bad about him, said he don't want John Mark with him anymore because John Mark was a coward and he left a mission trip because he was afraid, but yet he wrote the book of Mark. Paul, originally his name was Saul, and, uh, and, and uh, he was a Pharisee who persecuted Christians. He actually held people's coats as a young man while they killed the first Christian martyr, Stephen. He, he had Christians thrown in prison for being a Christian. He had them killed, and he cheered them on. But yet, he, you and I know him as the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. You think if he can use those guys, he can use us? You think if he can forgive those guys, he can forgive us? Of course he can. One more, Peter... Denied even knowing Jesus to a little girl. But yet, he preached and 5,000 people got saved on Pentecost. I mean, preach my As a matter of fact, when they told him to quit preaching about Jesus, he said, hey, I've got to do what I've got to do. I've got to do what God tells me to do, not what you tell me to do. All of a sudden, he's afraid of a teenager around a fire. Now he's, he's bucking the whole Roman government. He's preaching out in the open, mighty man, God. God, listen, God not only wants to free you of your guilt, He wants you to use you in a new way. He doesn't just want you walking around not feeling 
feeling not guilty. He wants to use you in a mighty way, in a new way. And that's the good news about grace. And I know it's difficult sometimes. For some of y'all, your guilt and shame has become your best friend. I mean, it, it's sort of like a teddy bear with teeth. You, you kind of cuddle it, but it'll bite you. It'll bite you at some point. Uh, you know, your guilt motivates you a little bit. Gets you up in the morning, gets you going, gets you to doing some stuff. Guilt will get, make you get right with God at night. You know, and so it's a motivational thing a little bit. You worry that if you stop feeling guilty and step out into God's grace, that man, you might just go wild or something, you know. And a lot of people worry about that. And let me tell you, um, God's grace will hold you up a lot better than your guilt. Guilt will only last so long. I want to encourage you today, step out into God's grace. Skate out into the middle of the, into the, middle of the skating rink. It's scary, but it's worth it to experience God's grace. Others of you, your guilt is your enemy. It's been chasing you around all your life. You've been hiding from it. You've been pretending it's not there, and it, but it chases you every day. Listen, David tried to hide his guilt. Look what he said in Psalm 32. He said, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. You ever felt that way? You, you, you strength. He says, and, my, and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. You ever felt that way? Sure we have. Either way, whether you, whichever, David finally admitted his sin to God. Look what happened. In verse 5, Psalm 32, he said, Until I finally admitted all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. See, he admitted that he was a sinner. He admitted that he was wrong. He admitted he stopped trying to hide his sin from God. He said, I said to myself, I'll confess them to the Lord. I'm going to agree with God about my sin. And he said, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Let's read that. You forgave me. Start there with me. You forgave me. All my guilt is gone. When you've received Jesus as your Savior, all your guilt are gone. That's amazing. He said, I, you know, some of y'all need that part. You need to hear the part I admitted my sins to you. And I stopped trying to hide them. That's where some of us are. Just tell Jesus you're tired. And you want to confess them to him. Others, you need the second half of that verse. I mean, you need, you need to understand, and God forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. Don't wait another day. Know today that God is the God of grace. He wants to forgive you, and He wants to shower His grace upon you. I want you to close your eyes as I finish up. Do we deserve that forgiveness? No, we don't. We don't deserve it. See, the Bible says, while I was still His enemy, He sent Jesus to die on a cross for me. He knew I was going to make fun of Christians for a long time. So we don't deserve it. So why does God do that? Because He loves us. He loves us and He wants us to experience His grace. His grace will move us. So I want right now, in your seats, I want you to talk to God for a minute. Just you and God. I want you to admit to Him your sin. You can't think of any sin.